Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> My name is Ryan Schreckengast, and I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. Uh, and this morning, it's my pleasure to uh, dig into God's Word with you. And I wanted to start by showing you uh, three pictures. And maybe some of you have seen these already. Uh, have you seen some of the incredible images uh, that are visible now coming to us from the James Webb Space Telescope? Uh, if you're a nerd like me, you're really into this. Uh, and so I have three images I'd love to show you. Here are a few of them. Look at that. These are new images that are visible, or sorry, coming in the visible and the infrared spectrum that are offering us more detail than ever before on objects that are in our own solar system, as well as exoplanets and things so far away that it takes light hundreds of thousands of years to travel the distance between us. But just as astonishing as some of these images are, I've been fascinated by hearing uh, the responses that various individuals have had as we look at these images. And mostly they fall into two camps. Some have focused on how small it seems to make humanity. While others have focused on the implied power of humanity as we are capable of building tools to explore this vastness. And I think two quotes that are, are given here by an Operation Project scientist who's working on the, the JWST uh, capture this idea. Here are the two quotes. It was always out there. The universe. It's been out there. We just had to build a telescope to go and see what was there. The second quote. Maybe people in a broken world managing to do something right and to see some of the majesty that's out there. I love those. They express both of those ideas, both the, the humbling position of humanity and also the incredible achievement as well. But although these are new images, these are not new sentiments. King David expresses the same awe and majesty as he observes the works of God's hands in Psalm 8. So that's what we will be studying this morning. And if you have one of the church Bibles, that will be on page 420. We will be learning about how the majesty of Yahweh, God, is revealed. As he overcomes his enemies through the praises of the weak and by raising mankind to have dominion over all of his creation. Let's start by reading the whole Psalm 8 and then we'll dig into the particulars. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy 
and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I wanted to start this morning by looking at the framing of this psalm. Verses 1 and 9, beginning and end, are identical, and they give us an important context. They provide the explicit goal of this psalm which is to express the majesty of the name of Yahweh. The Hebrew word translated here as majestic expresses glory and excellence and might and rule. That's what majesty means. So the stated goal of this psalm is to indicate the manner in which that majesty of Yahweh can be known in the earth. And that's going to be crucial, because Yahweh does not exercise his might and excellence and rule in the same manner as humanity. In fact, the majesty of Yahweh is so different that it might be entirely missed or even interpreted as weakness if worldly standards are applied. It's like the aphorism that you may have heard, missing the forest for the trees. Because, friends, the scale is so enormous. Just like those images from the JWST. Without context, it's hard to even recognize what you are looking at. You may have recognized Jupiter, but some of those other galaxies, it's, it's incredible and it's hard to understand the scale. So how do you gain context for a God who created not just those images... But he created the galaxies and the stars that those are images of. How do you understand a God like that? Well, the psalmist David helpfully gives us two examples of just how the majesty of God is expressed. So that we don't miss it. The first is in verse 2. And that's the second point of your outline. That the majesty of Yahweh 
is expressed as the praises of the weak overcome God's enemies. How does this occur? How can the weak experience victory? It's in verse 2. It's not simply that God takes a weak baby and makes them strong. That would be more in line with how humanity expresses majesty. And it it might actually make the good title for a, a book. Making strong babies in 365 days or something like that. That's, that's a very man-oriented kind of idea. But no, look at verse 2. It is out of their mouth that God established strength. How can strength be established out of a mouth? let alone a mouth that doesn't even yet have language to communicate. Babies are notoriously bad at that. Jesus answers this question as he quotes this psalm, Psalm 8, himself, in Matthew 21, verse 16. This is after he rebukes the religious leaders in Jerusalem for their misuse of the temple. And in response, in praise, children call out to Jesus, salvation belongs to the son of David. That's the key, friends. In praise, children call out, salvation belongs to the son of David. And the religious leaders are indignant. Of course they are. Because these children, these these practical infants, dare to call Jesus king. And so Jesus responds. And he responds by quoting Psalm 8, saying, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Praise, friends. And you thought the religious leaders were indignant before. After quoting Psalm 8, it ratchets up a whole nother notch. Because by quoting Psalm 8, where Yahweh silences his enemies through the praise of infants, Jesus claims to not mere kingship over Israel, but the same glory and excellence and might and rule Of Yahweh himself. And it silences. His enemies. Do you see. This is what the psalmist meant. When he said you have established. Strength. This is the thing. That babies can do with their voices. Even before. They can talk. This is the strength. Powerful enough. To still even the enemies of God. What is it? Praise. Praise, friends. God's majesty is expressed not in simply taking a baby and making them strong. But it's expressed as they experience victory in their very weakness 
through his strength. They don't even need to be strong to experience that victory. Only to depend on his salvation for them. O Lord, our Lord, how great is your rule and your excellence and your might in all the earth. As the children sang, Hosanna, salvation belongs to the son of David. Friends, God's majesty is evident as the praises of the weak overcome God's enemies. How does this apply this morning, friends? In two ways. First, sing out. Praise Yahweh. Your praise is an expression of the majesty of God himself. And it gives, and he, and God gives that praise power to still his enemies. But it's so easy to miss that majesty because we are blinded by what our own earthly expectation of majesty should look like. I'm embarrassed by my limited musical ability. So I don't sing. <laughs> at least not loud enough for anyone to hear, because it's not majestic in my mind. Or maybe we compare our humble worship team of three people here this morning to some larger production value worship team at other churches. Because this can't be what God's majesty looks like. But friends, in my weakness, out of tune, stumbling praise, it is an expression of the might and the sovereign rule of Yahweh God, creator of galaxies. So don't let anything stop you from praising him and seeing victory through the majesty of his name. So the second application for you this morning is this. Don't miss the majesty of Yahweh. How often do you look at the strong as the ideal models of Christian life? Those who appear to have it all together, who have the most well-articulated theology, but friends, these are not the ones who most clearly show the majesty of God. Friends, it's those who praise his name in their weakness. Those who are babies and who know, absolutely know, that they are fully dependent on his salvation. So if these are the ones that God himself delights in expressing his majesty, then why don't we? Why don't we have a church that is full of the weak and the vulnerable and the needy? Well, friends, we do. 
We have a church that is full of the weak and the vulnerable and the needy. And it's only a question of whether or not we admit it to ourselves and to each other. And if we do admit it, friends, then the name of Yahweh is glorified in all of his majesty as he works in our midst. But if we don't admit it, then all we glorify is ourselves in all of our weakness. We fail to express his majesty and we choose instead our own expectation of what majesty should look like. We do try to recognize this truth at GFC. That's why our children, who are so precious, are encouraged to stay with us in the service. That's why we have a team of preachers who can help and guide and counsel one another. That's why everything that is done here, from the worship to the AV to the building committee, to the deacons and the elders and the financial officers. Every one of them is done through volunteers. And whatever is accomplished in this place is all to the praise and the glory of God. So I encourage you to please join with us in that praise. Sing out. And serve his people, even if you feel like a baby. Because that's the best thing that you can put on your resume to be used by God. From the praises of your mouth, he will establish victory over his enemies, friends. So we see that God expresses his majesty as he overcomes his enemies Through the praise of the weak. But then what? What happens after that victory? What happens after the enemies are stilled and silenced? What is the role then for the weak in the kingdom of God? Well, friends, David's second example of God's majesty and the third point on your outline gives us the context for that question what happens after he gives the weak dominion over all of his creation the lowly receive authority in his name over all of the great things that he has made we see this beginning in verse 3 David begins to draw our attention to the majesty of God's creation. Much like I hope these images from the the James Webb telescope did for you this morning. He reveals the wonder of the moon and the stars. The astonishing creation that is the work of God's fingertips. And he wonders... In verse 4, I think appropriately, what is man? 
What is man that the God who created all of this is mindful of him? And David had only the, his human eyes to look at the things in the universe. He only knew the tiniest fraction of the wonders that God created. And friends, this morning, we still only know the tiniest fraction of the things God has created. Because it's always been there. But we just need to keep exploring. And so he asks, why God do you bother with a people so small and weak as humanity? And the answer, I think, just like before, can be easy to miss if we place worldly expectations on the answer. Because the answer is that it's not that man is so small that we are beyond God's notice on the one hand. And it's not that we are so great that we are simply the best of God's creation on the other hand. Look at verses 5 and 6. Here's the answer. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Friends, humanity is only what we are because God chose to make us that. Humanity is not more glorious than the universe full of stars. And we are not more worthy of God's love beyond his other creations. In fact, he even had, quote, better candidates available to rule earth in the angels. Heavenly beings with more power and more majesty. And yet, that is not how the majesty of Yahweh works in hebrews 2 verse 5 the apostle paul writes for it was not to angels that god subjected the world to come of which we are speaking and then he goes on to quote psalm 8 friends this is how the majesty of god is expressed in his authority to lift up that which has no greatness, and to place it above that which does. That is how the majesty of Yahweh is expressed. Because of His majesty, His glory, His excellence, His might, His rule, He has given us dominion over all of His creation and he represents that in verses 7 and 8 uh, referencing genesis 1 all of the birds and the beasts and the fish and yes the angels so yes when we discover the enormity of the universe an appropriate response is humility 
And yes, as we create tools to look deeper into God's creation, an appropriate response is to be proud. But in both of those attitudes, friends, in both of them, we must not fail to glorify God. His majesty. Because it is ultimately the expression of His majesty that we learn both of His creation and we exercise His authority in His name over that creation. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Your rule, Your excellence, and Your might. So friends, do not miss this morning the majesty of Yahweh. Is it any wonder that this is how the most majestic God chose to express His majesty through the salvation of His people? By choosing to enter the world as a weak and powerless seeming man named Jesus, not as the mighty, but as the weak, the son of David. And yet, through that, to still his enemies forever. Hosanna. Salvation belongs to the son of David. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 makes this connection for us. That Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Friends, Jesus, the Son of God, incarnated fully as man and fully as God, died that death could be defeated. That sin and death, the greatest enemies of God, would finally be defeated forever on the cross. On a cross, friends. Stilled forever by the majesty of of Yahweh. What is less majestic by earthly standards than a cross? And yet what becomes the ultimate symbol of God's might and power and excellence and rule than that symbol, friends? So how does this apply this morning? Please Above all else, recognize the majesty of Yahweh in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus is the might of sin and death in your life conquered. Only He has been given the name above all names. Through whose authority you can come into the presence of God the Father. Friends, He is your hope 
and your source of salvation. Why? Not because you are below the notice of God. And not because you are the most worthy of all of his creations. But because God chose to love you. Because Jesus was the way that his power over even death was expressed now and for all time. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending your Son to be humbled that your majesty could be known in all the earth. God, thank you for giving us dominion over your creation, God. God, thank you for using us in our weakness, not by making us strong, God, but by giving us victory in our weakness through your strength, Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for your blood. God, thank you for your majesty. Be glorified in, our, in all the earth and in our lives and our thoughts and our prayers, God. Be magnified in us, Jesus. Amen.